everyone and welcome to Bumpy Times podcast. Today's episode is again with a guest. I am Nadia and on the other side is... Alina. And I will let Alina also introduce our special guest. Hello everyone and welcome. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Just as Nadia said, we are having a new guest. We are having as well a gynecologist today because we have lots of questions to cover the pregnancy um, stage of a woman's life into becoming a mom. So with us today, it's Dr. Juana Kahlo. Hello, Juana. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having me here on this show. I'm so glad to be here with two beautiful mothers uh, talking about pregnancy. We're happy that we have a specialist uh, as a guest in our show. And of course, we have a lot of questions for you prepared. And we should also say what's the topic of our episode today. So today we will talk about pregnancy and everything that a woman that is pregnant might be interested in. Uh, then I will start with the first question. Okay, so what I would like to ask you, it is, I think, the most basic questions. When do you detect the pregnancy on ultrasound? Okay, so this is a really common question. Uh, the answer is at four weeks and four days, uh, we can see the gestational sac at the ultrasound. And at six weeks, we can actually hear the heartbeat and see it, of course. So I tell my patients uh, if they have a menstrual delay, usually a week. So that means around about, um, let's say, five weeks. Uh, you can go to your care practitioner and ask for an ultrasound. They should be able to see it. Not in all cases, but this is the general. I see. Thank you very much. You as well answered my second question. So therefore, I will let Nadia introduce the next one for you. Okay, so next question uh, will be about testing. What are the important tests you should take during pregnancy and during which weeks should the test uh, take place? And maybe we can also connect it with the next question because it's a similar question, basically. When you will speak about the test, if you could also mention which tests are diagnostic and which are screening tests and maybe some examples of the tests and maybe the situations or type of uh, problems that these tests uh, detect. Okay, uh, so besides the usual blood work that we take in uh, all three trimesters, the three biggest investigations I would have to say are uh, the fetal morphological exams uh, in the first trimester, it's around um, 11 to 13 weeks, we have the first fetal scan that we also correlate with a blood sample and we do the screening for the Down syndrome and other uh, fetal anomalies. And uh, in the second trimester, we have uh, the other fetal morphology and in the third trimester as well. Uh, the thing that uh, pregnant women need to know is exactly this, the difference between a screening and a diagnostic exam. Because uh, a screening exam just tells us the likelihood of the fetus or the mother, depending on the tests, uh, 
to have a certain disease. Uh, but a diagnostic test, it gives us the diagnosis, of course. So we have um, the example of the first trimester scan, that is a screening exam. Uh, it's non-invasive. You have the ultrasound and a blood sample. And usually the diagnostic uh, exams are invasive, such as amniocentesis. So if you could uh, please tell us something more also about the CVS and about the amniocentesis. When can CVS be done? When can amniocentesis uh, be done? And maybe if there's any risk, because I know that a lot of women is afraid to do the diagnostic test. They're afraid of miscarriages. So maybe if you could tell us something closer about these tests. Okay, so these tests are usually recommended when you have a higher risk for something like a genetic anomaly and uh, you can find the answer in this investigation. Uh, they come with a set of risks, but I think that uh, the risk of uh, miscarriage is fairly low and women should uh, take account of this and uh, do it for the well-being of the baby because it is more important to uh, find out the right diagnosis than uh, rather risk and going to full term with a baby with an anomaly. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Okay, so thank you for answering this question, Elena. I think you can uh, move on to the next question. Yes, I would like to ask something as well because it kind of happens to me. It is about the weight that we are gaining during the pregnancy. Is there such thing as the optimal weight or what is an, or your opinion on that when somebody asks about it? Uh, well, you have to know that you cannot eat for two people <laughs> and certainly not for three people if you are carrying twins. Uh, but the BMI, the body mass index, uh, is a really big factor in appreciating the normal weight gain in a pregnancy. So I cannot tell you uh, other than the average weight gain is about 12.5 kilograms on a normal oh. pregnancy. <laughs> uh, but the thing that makes the difference is the BMI because if you have a higher BMI you are recommended not to um, uh, gain that much weight. I understand. So I was I was having 21 kilograms over my body weight. <laughs> I don't know I don't think it was a I think it was a lot comparing the fact that I had uh, 49 when I got pregnant and then when I gave birth I was having 70 like quite a bit <laughs> Well, what did your OBGYN tell you about this? well uh, Not much not much she told me that it happens and as long as I don't have uh, the diabetes then it should be okay gladly I didn't so probably it was just because of uh, me eating too much <laughs> well I think uh, doctors uh, should talk more about this and uh, obesity and the diet because it's really important that women uh, understand how they need to eat during a pregnancy 
and not feel guilty if they are a bit overweight or, or they have, uh, I don't know, two or five kilograms plus. Because the, it's important if it's a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. Yes, definitely. Okay, great. Nadia, do you have a sec- another question? Question, um, which is a little bit sensitive. So um, we will see how you're comfortable with answering it. Of course, this is very case by case basis. And it's also dependent on the country you live, on the religion you have and so on. But we're asking you just from the doctor point of view. Um, let's say there is... Uh, some medical reasons um, that uh, would show that um, that would give, let's say, the option for a mother or for a couple to decide whether uh, to terminate the pregnancy or not. Um, could you tell us from the doctor point of view, for example, is there any case when, when doctors would, it's hard to say recommend because of course it's always up to the parents, but Maybe what are the common reasons to, to consider it, let's say? Okay, so from the medical point of view, uh, the indication for an induced abortion uh, is usually when you have an abnormal fetus or he's gravely impaired, uh, or it could be a high-risk pregnancy for the mother, and that would be a case for termination. Uh, it can be done uh, until the middle of the second trimester. It depends very much when the mother comes for the ultrasound and the screenings. If you can detect it earlier, it is better. Yes, and of course it will depend on which country you live in because as we know, not all countries allow this option and uh, so on, yes. yes. Thank you for the answer. Alina, you can move on to the next one. Thank you very much, Nadia. Well, um, the next question is a little bit more general. <clears throat> and um, I would like to ask you about what are the most common or, or the biggest problems that the women can face during the pregnancy? Like just a few elements that you think that there are really indeed to worry about. Such as placenta previa, for example, we know. That, that yeah. is one of, the, one of the difficulties that could occur. I had something similar, mm-hmm. almost placenta previa, so I know it can restrict uh, the mother, she must rest, and there could be some some risk at birth, so yes, if you could give us the examples as Alina asked. So I can give you examples of different pathologies that can affect the pregnancy. Uh, But I think uh, women should uh, consider more the things that they can change because, uh, sure, you can have placenta previa, as you said before, but this is something you cannot change. And going into the pregnancy with such uh, stress about the things that could happen, you could have placenta previa, you can have preeclampsia, you can have diabetes. These are things that uh, more or less you cannot control. But uh, if you focus on your diet, uh, if you focus on weight gain, obesity that promotes hypertension and diabetes, these are things you can change. And I think women should take account of this 
and uh, start living a healthy lifestyle to prevent other complications. I actually, one additional question came to my mind regarding the testing that we uh, spoke about. I've noticed because I've met women from different countries that there is a big difference in uh, the number of tests that women do at their doctor depending on the countries where they lived. Um, if I'm not wrong, uh, I think in, in Britain they have much less tests than, for example, in some Central Eastern European countries. Um, so what would be like the minimum number of tests you would recommend during the pregnancy? What, what do you think is the minimum uh, and in, in, in what stages of the pregnancy? Uh, the minimum? Well, this is a hard question because uh, if you want to detect everything, you can't have a minimum but uh, you have to at least have the usual blood work and uh, as i said i recommend the ultrasound screening from uh, for the first second and third trimester i think they are really important to detect um, fetal anomalies i think uh, blood work is recommended uh, in every trimester and at least an ultrasound in every trimester if you cannot do the screening but the screening is best mm -hmm. so this is what I think and uh, obviously the vaginal cultures are really important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay thank you uh, then we have a set of questions which we can, I think, share with Alina. So we have a lot of questions about, let's say, how to behave during pregnancy, what to do, what to not do. I think every woman is worrying or wondering, let's say, during pregnancy, you know, can you go to pool? Uh, can you eat this? Can you fly? Uh, and so on. So... Could you maybe tell us some do's and don'ts or is it really so strict or can we be a little bit more relaxed? Okay, so um, I will answer this question with a question for you. <laughs> what did you restrict yourself during pregnancy? I was pretty, I was really keeping everything, I must say, because... Um, I cannot say I was anxious, but I was very careful. I was worried. Yeah, to be honest, I was worried. I wanted to make sure that I will give birth to a child, that something, you know, bad will not happen. So I definitely kept uh, all the food, you know, the, the list of foods that you shouldn't eat. I was very, very strict with that. Although I must say that the nurse from my doctor told me that if I eat something in a small amount, it's okay. So, for example, she told me, if I eat one slice of brie, it's not going to do me anything, but I shouldn't eat the whole package. Um, so, I was also keeping that in mind, that if I some, some, sometimes I make some mistake or I, I will not know that I shouldn't eat this and I will eat it, that I will not stress about it so much because there is certain tolerance. Um, I didn't want to risk to fly, to be honest, and uh, I also actually didn't go to pool. So I, I was pretty strict. I didn't want to leave it to chances, but I have a lot of friends who did almost everything and they gave birth to a healthy child as well. So, <laughs> Well, the funny thing is that um, out of all those things, I would recommend you to be strict with the diet. <laughs> 
because um, you have a higher risk of getting listeria from food poisoning that can also transmit to the baby. So that can uh, have serious complications on the health of the pregnant mother and the baby. So this is where I get strict. Uh, but on the swimming part, you can easily go to a pool. It's not a problem. It's actually recommended during pregnancy to swim because it's an easy exercise. Do not exaggerate, obviously, uh, to avoid um, uh, hot saunas or hot springs. But other than that, you can go to the pool. Uh, there's actually a recent study that says uh, that chlorine does not affect the mother or nor the baby. Uh, so that's okay, big thumbs up on the swimming pool. Uh, with flying also, uh, most uh, airline companies restrict you at uh, 36 weeks of pregnancy. Uh, but if oh. you are having a healthy pregnancy and have no problems, no issues, you can uh, fly in, uh, until uh, eight months of pregnancy without a problem. Um, and uh, I would also recommend flying rather than going on a bumpy road trip, for example, <laughs> especially if it's a long trip. True, true. So I was also told this by my doctor because actually I didn't want to fly and that's why I went on a road trip. And <laughs> he, at the end, he told me that uh, a long car drives are not good. <laughs> didn't you that? Yes, now I know it. <laughs> Okay, so it's good that future mothers uh, know this as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay, Alena, you can pick one of the next questions. Or do you have any well, more question, Alena, to this topic? To this topic particularly, no. I would just add that uh, uh, in my case, I just naturally stopped drinking coffee without knowing that I'm pregnant. It just uh, I do realize only after and I loved coffee so much and then I was reading about coffee during the pregnancy and what I have read it was that coffee can uh, provoke in the first uh, semester of the pregnancy uh, spontaneous miscarriage or something like that and I would really like to ask you if you know something about this in or this is true my intuition plus the information that I got <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I actually do know something. Uh, you can have a cup of coffee, but uh, yeah. of course, uh, if you Not drink uh, half a liter of coffee, <laughs> yeah, even if you're not pregnant, it's not going to be okay. So uh, coffee in moderation is okay, as opposed to other things like alcohol or smoking. Uh, that's a big no-no. Yeah. That's a big no-no. I understand. So coffee, it's a no-no, but it's it it can be a yes, very very small yes, yes, <laughs> from time to time. Yeah. Maybe actually one question that is connected to this also is the medication during pregnancy. Um, we could speak about that. Um, is there any painkillers, for example, which is uh, possible to take if it's really like uh, necessary to take some painkiller and also. Uh, for example, medicine against um, a nausea or when you when you really have a strong and you need to throw up, let's say. 
Uh, I know that some doctors recommend certain medications, and once I bought it, and when I when I read the leaflet into the medicine, at the end I didn't take it because there were so many scary things there, uh, which said that it's not possible to take it during pregnancy. So <laughs> at the end I didn't use it. So. Uh, you know, can you tell us about the medications? Uh, let's say when you have a very strong nausea or when you have a pain. So most women should keep in mind that they, sh they should go to their gynecologist uh, with every problem that they have because uh, most pills will say that you cannot uh, take them if you read them, if you read the instructions. Uh, but your doctor will know what to give you. Uh, for example, if you have a pain, you can uh, take uh, metamizol. I don't know how to say it in English. Uh, if it's the right accent, probably not. Um, or uh, acetaminophen. Also, it's the um, paracetamol in Romanian. Mm -hmm. Yes. Also, paracetamol. Okay. Uh, also, for nausea, we have special drugs that we can use here. Uh, also, you can take um, uh, some uh, ginger-based uh, pills for nausea that work really good in pregnancy. So you have options. You can even the tea. Uh, even the tea, exactly. And uh, you have options for antibiotics or other more serious medication. But the important thing is to ask your doctor. Okay, Elena, you're, you're, you have the next question. Okay, so um, I would like to come to these times that we are facing because I already have a lot of friends and I assume that uh, as well you may, may have friends that are going to give birth or they gave birth during this COVID era. Um, what are your remarks or your advices in this kind of situation, in this kind of context? Uh... Well, with uh, COVID is a tricky story because we do not have that many uh, research and studies on pregnant women. So what we know now that uh, pregnant women are at risk of developing more serious forms of disease. Uh, and we do not know if uh, the mother can transmit to the baby COVID yet. We assume no, the but we don't know it for sure. And uh, I think the biggest thing we can do is to prevent rather than treat. And in, in terms of prevention, the sanitary routine that it's necessary, it's mandatory these times, is there something else uh, that they can do or, yeah? No, it's the usual for the general population works well also for uh, pregnant women. Wash your hands, keep social distance, use masks, uh, avoid going in crowded places. Mm -hmm. Is they, it, it's taking vitamins, the specific vitamins and minerals that uh, they discover that somehow can help people or there is a occurrence of that is... Um, an augmentation in this kind of vitamins would help or there is something that anyway pregnant women cannot take, they can take only the vitamins prescribed by for the pregnancy. What can a pregnant woman do to make sure that the immunitary system works at its best? It's 
not much you can do except uh, of taking your prenatal vitamins and uh, making sure you have a healthy lifestyle. There's nothing I, that can boost that. I understand. Perfect. So we, we it's the basic and the common sense things. <laughs> Thank you. My next question uh, would be about a new trends, let's say. So when I was giving birth, I was reading about all the things you can do. And one of the things that I was considering or researching was the option to um, freeze your placenta or uh, I guess the blood from umbilical cord. I'm not sure now. And also, of course, connected to that, um, there, there are companies, for example, who are creating pills uh, from these materials, some hospitals allow it, some hospitals uh, don't allow it. Can you tell us something? Um, is it beneficial? Um, are we already so far that it's good to do this or is it still a future? <laughs> okay, so this is a really interesting question because I read online about this trend of making uh, placenta capsules. Uh, I have to say uh, there is no evidence that regarding the benefits of it, of eating it, uh, freezing it, uh, drinking it, uh, or other way. Uh, in terms of uh, freezing the placenta, uh, I think you are thinking about uh, stem cell. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And uh, this is a different topic. But uh, about eating it, um, women should uh, know that uh, the placenta can carry different bacterial infections. So we actually have a case of a mother ingesting a placenta capsule with the group B streptococcus and passing it on to the fetus that you know can have a highly dangerous effect. So I would not recommend this. I would not recommend eating the placenta unless, I don't know, you are fairly sure, not fairly, you are certainly <laughs> aware of the fact that the placenta is clean and has no infection and then, yeah, sure, you can eat it. <laughs> yes, and uh, the topic of uh, freezing stem cells, uh, this is another thing because you have evidence on it. So uh, you can use the stem cells uh, after you freeze them for, I don't know, after five years. And uh, you can use it as a transplant in different diseases, blood diseases. And uh, I think a few years ago, there was actually a case where the cord stem cells were used for the baby. So yeah, that's a good thing to do. Thank you for the explanation. Wow, very nice. Um, well, I would like to ask you now something about uh, the mom. <laughs> Let's say it's exactly after the, the pregnancy or in, in the future, uh, the near future. Are you recommending uh, the recovery of the perineum to be made in both cases, C-sections and as well natural birth or just for uh, natural birth? People are mistaken by the fact that uh, it's a cesarean <laughs> and you should not have recovery of the perineum, but that's not true. 
because the pregnant uterus <laughs> puts pressure also on the perineum and affects the mother's posture so it's important to have recovery after vaginal birth and also after cesarean if you have symptoms then yes you should do recovery in both cases of course thank you <laughs> Nadia? Yes, yeah, so I would like to ask um, something which I heard about for the first time uh, when I was pregnant and that's um, the situation when the pregnant mother has a, a blood type negative um, and I heard that, uh, well, I came to be informed that, um, you know, you're, you're being tested, so they will test your blood during pregnancy, whether you're positive or negative. And in case you're negative, you're supposed to get uh, injection, I think around uh, 25, uh, 28 weeks or latest at the birth to prevent uh, that there could be, uh, that the baby could have a different um, type of uh, blood so means you would be negative and the baby would be positive uh, it would be problem right uh, yes it's an entire discussion here because uh, most of the population uh, have um, red blood cells with a specific protein on them so that's your type of positive blood type the negatives one the negative one uh, does not have this protein so uh, when a pregnant mother has a negative blood type but the baby is positive um, the first pregnancy may go okay because the mother does not have the antibodies for that type of protein protein because it did not interact with it but when you have passing of the fetal blood between the mother uh, and the fetal system, the mother will develop these antibodies. So this is the danger because in the first pregnancy, everything can go smooth and go as planned. But the second pregnancy, the mother will attack the fetus. The mother's organism will react to the type uh, positive blood of the fetus. So this is why it's important for the immunoglobulin to be administered in the third trimester. Mm -hmm. So the so the so the, the risk would be that uh, the woman has a miscarriage, right? The, the risk. That's why you do it. Or so the mother will have the antibodies against that protein that we discussed about and will attack the fetus. But um, the thing is, in these cases, you do not have a miscarriage uh, at a young gestational age. Uh, it usually comes with something more um, great and uh, you will see it around the second trimester and even in the third trimester, you have a risk of uh, preterm birth and uh, severe fetal anemia also um, it's called high drops fetal high drops uh, you have really bad complications mm -hmm. in which the fetus may not survive mm -hmm. so okay. the miscarriage would be a good thing if it happened early unfortunately yes. so 
luckily uh, i hope in most countries uh, the blood test is uh, is made and uh, the medicine recommended yes Definitely. we take care of that yes one of my last questions or maybe the last question from my part it will be um do you announce your patients or how is it about this myth or not myth that we should not lay on the back during the last uh, part of the pregnancy because of what might happen to our organs as moms and as well to the babies that can stay on the umbilical cord or something like that. Can you please explain a little bit for everybody's understanding this concept? Uh, yes, of course. So your doctor will tell you to not lay on your back or to not sleep on your back uh, during the third trimester because the um, uh, pregnant uterus will uh, put a big pressure on your uh, vena cava, inferior vena cava. And uh, that's why you will get um, a sudden hypotension, a sudden decrease in your blood pressure. Uh, this is called uh, supine syndrome, I think, supine hypotensive syndrome. And women may experience tachycardia, dizziness, nausea, and other side effects. Uh, this is why we recommend you should uh, lay on your side to be safe on your left side is best. Mm -hmm. I understand. Thank you very much. Okay, I've actually remembered that we have skipped one of the main topics that all the women are discussing on the pregnancy forums, and that's spotting. Uh, you know, I think it's a really big topic because women are women are really anxious when they experience spotting during pregnancy, uh, and there is always big discussion going on on internet. Is it normal? Is it not normal? What does it mean? And so on. So, if you could tell us uh, something about it. Okay. So, first of all, um, I am going to say this on and on and on. Uh, pregnant women should discuss with their gynecologist about everything, every problem, because uh, spotting um, could lead to something more major and could be just like a tiny symptom that hides something big. Uh, you could have the implantation spotting. That's the only case where we can say, okay, it's normal because it happens... Um, just as the egg uh, implantates in the uterine lining. So it's usually when the woman would have her period, about four or five weeks, like this. Uh, but other than that, spotting usually means a problem. And it could be a various number of issues here. I could talk about contractions, that uh, could open the cervix and that's why you start to, to do spotting and afterwards start bleeding or it could be a subchorionic hematoma or it could be placenta previa it could be any number of issues that's why you should go to your gynecologist for anything you have pain you have spotting you have bleeding you have anything just go and check up to make sure everything is okay. So my last question is, uh, 
making babies or having a baby after 35 brings any kind of benefits or advantages to the woman or it's indeed better to do uh, to have kids early than later uh, well I have to say uh, from a medical standpoint it is better to have children earlier because as you grow older you may grow wiser but your eggs will just grow older and uh, yeah, we can think of a number of benefits like a steady job, better pay, or um, more patience with the children. But other than that, uh, biologically, it is biologically. not biologically. Yeah. Just so biologically, so biologically not. not. Biologically not. I'm afraid not. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe we can actually finish with a little bit of the ethical uh, side of being a doctor. Uh, when I'm speaking with some of my friends who were pregnant, uh, each of us at certain stage of our pregnancy experience doctor or nurse not being sensitive to them. As we know, you know, many women during pregnancy, they can be anxious, they can be nervous, they're panicking. And uh, from the patient point of view, I must say that it's very important that the doctor knows or nurse how to handle these situations and how to be really sensitive to, to the patient. Because as you say, we should come to our doctor with every problem, but then there's a situation when a panicking patient calls their doctor and they tell them, this is normal, don't come in, you know. <laughs> that doesn't make them call, of course. Um, so is there, uh, how do you look at this topic? And is there any training for doctors, like from, from the ethical point of view, like how to handle these situations? Or is it really up to every doctor and their personality? Uh, well, the thing is, uh, we do have bedside manners training. Uh, but uh, there is a huge difference in personalities among people. So my biggest advice to women in general, not only pregnant women, is to find a gynecologist that they can talk to freely and uh, they can interact with. Because uh, it's a huge trust you put on your uh, medical doctor and uh, he needs to reciprocate this. So I think uh, you should find someone uh, that uh, you are on, you have a connection with, actually. And this goes uh, with everything in life, I think. It doesn't matter the job title or the profession, the qualifications. People are people. Definitely. Yes. You just have to find the right one. Like the perfect shoe for Cinderella, you should choose the perfect OBGYN for you. So we have covered many questions. Um, I think we have to thank our guests because the information were really useful and we of course hope that if you're pregnant now or if you're planning to be pregnant for the first time or for the second time that some of these answers will bring uh, bigger knowledge to your situation and will help you to deal with um, your behavior like how to behave or will give you the information you need. Alina? 
I would like to thank you, Dr. Juana Kahlo, for being kind and uh, sharing this time with us and answering our questions. If we are going to have more questions, we are going to address it to you for the pregnancy segment. So we are really glad you have been here. I would like to thank our public uh, about being here with us today. And uh, let's meet next time with some more great subjects. Until then, please leave a comment subscribe and tell your story help us build this community that can come back towards you with good information with experts and let's hope a good vibe as well <laughs> so that's being said uh so i was wondering because i am talking to two mothers uh what were your biggest fears during the pregnancy what did you experiment and how did uh, your doctors treat you uh, well, for me, my biggest fear was regarding the trisomy 21, I think, um, because I think I didn't have enough information, not, uh, not even from my doctor, although she, she did her best, in my opinion. Um, I think until I started, I made the test, actually, the one that uh, measures uh, and examines the DNA from, uh, from my blood, the one from the babies and I got the result, that period it was very stressful in the sense that I had to really work with myself in order not to have uh, mental states that could be harming for me or the baby or even for the environment. Um, I managed to do so and I will share it with our viewers how it is easy to be done and I think this was my, my biggest fears. Okay, for me it was a serious event. I would say my pregnancy was uh, not high risk, but it was on a certain level, it was a risky pregnancy, let's say. So I would say most most of my pregnancy was very stressful in the sense that I was really taking it step by step from test to test. And I was always waiting for the next test that if everything is going to be fine, if everything is going to be fine. And I was like, you know, just taking it up to the last stage and I think I've really relaxed only at the point when I had the baby in my arms. <laughs> wow. But I must say uh, mostly the experience with doctors was uh, positive and I think uh, I was lucky that I had many tests during my pregnancy. If I wasn't sure about something or if something didn't look 100% they would invite me for another test. So I was always calm that after I had the test that, okay, at this point, everything is okay. Or if it wasn't, I would know. So um, I was lucky to, to get a, a very good health care, which is important, I think. Oh, you are very lucky. <laughs> you were, That's yeah. very nice. <laughs> But it's good you had uh, nice experiences with your doctors and also both pregnancies went well. And I think uh, your viewers can appreciate this and maybe they can ask some of the questions um, that they need to get an answer. This is our We invitation. definitely so. hope so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Thank you again for being our guest and uh, answering all our questions. We hope that we might cross each other's path in the future again. We would certainly be happy to invite you again in the future. 
and uh, we thank to our viewers and listeners and we will see you next time bye bye see you next time Thank <laughs> you.